Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. It couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go, uh, to win every game. The off-the-field off issues were innocent. And, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. Yeah. Overcome that. It wasn't that hard because we... We knew we were innocent. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. You just uh, you just gave me a hand signal. Were there four innocents that he just said right there? There were, and none of them were prompted. Nobody, nobody, when he gave that answer, asked him about uh, whether they were innocent, whether uh, you know he expects anything to happen, if the championship was tainted. None of that. He just wanted to point it out. They were innocent. His players, of course, had nothing to do with it. So, of course, they were innocent. Sounds like you're still trying to convince us of something. Or, you know, when you win a championship and you're at the top of the mountain and, you know, nobody can say anything because you won the title and you weren't taken away from that opportunity and you know no one's going to take it away. So, say something now. We won the natty. What are you going to do about it? Mm. Either or. I mean, it, it could very well be both. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh was a man that it felt like he was able to celebrate a little bit more than most coaches might have been able to celebrate when you have a game like that. Maybe it's a vindication. Mm. We're good enough to win. Forget about whatever you want to say. Vindication is sweet. And uh, here I am. Come at me, bro. Uh, as the young kids would say, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like that for Harbaugh. It it felt like that, and to be honest, watching that Michigan team, primarily their defense, mm-hmm. had that same sort of "come at me, bro" energy. <laughs> uh, not to uh, call it out like this, but we talked about this last week. Yes, we did, and r- I really felt that that defensive front and that secondary, which the strength of that defense is those safeties mm-hmm. it is those corners i mean they're you know 636364 monsters back there phenomenal athletes shutting down washington's attack i mean they were swaggery and deserved to be it it, it felt like watching a georgia defense from the last couple of years where washington really didn't have an answer Absolutely. And we'll talk more about the the players and kind of the scheming uh, part of the game coming up in just a little bit. It is off the bench. Good to be with you after uh, taking Monday off for the college football playoff national championship presented by AT&T. I lead off with Harbaugh because, you know, a lot of times when you have a game of that magnitude, a lot of times we focus on a star player. Um, many times it's a quarterback and usually you focus on it, whether they make a really, really awful mistake or they play out of their minds and have a, a career type of game. I don't think it's any surprise that the guy that is getting the most attention following that game is not a player. It's not JJ McCarthy. Uh, it's not Blake Corum and, and credit Michigan's running game. I thought McCarthy was okay, but I thought their running game was very good. And Corum wasn't necessarily the most impactful runner in that game. Hmm. Um, Roman Wilson was kind of quiet, but it's Harbaugh. Harbaugh's the one that ends up being front and center. Part of it is because his players 
make him front and center when they all talk about how they're around him. It's a family. It's a brotherhood. Um, you know, they, they play for one another. They believe in one another. All, yeah. of, all, all of those lines. Um, they love him. And sometimes when you have adversity, yeah. you can get divisions all over the place. You might get people leaking out stuff out of the locker room and, and, and all that stuff. And that didn't happen. In fact, it's pretty impressive that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, through all of that, were as cohesive as any football team we have seen in years. That's phenomenal, and that's part of why Jim Harbaugh is more in the limelight than any anybody else, because say what you will about whatever he might or might have known or, or did or whatever, say what you will about that. For the, what, seven, eight games he coached? I don't remember. That's some of the best coaching I've seen in the last decade. It brought the team together. Um, we, we talked about this could go one of two ways. It could either split the team apart or it's going to bring them together and be a rallying cry of sorts. And that's exactly what happened. Um, please tell me you seem to remember the Titans. No. That's definitely on your list yeah, this year. planned on it, didn't end up doing it. That's okay. Um, same sort of situation happened there. Much different criteria mm-hmm. for what could have split that team apart it was in the uh, the civil rights era. Um, however, a uh, a team that could have split apart, they, they came together in that movie, and it felt like perhaps Michigan went through some sort of a similar inward transformation where we're not going to allow anybody to... Um, get to us, we're going to be impenetrable. And to that effect, I think that's why we saw them be as successful as they were. And not every coach can scheme the way that, you know, that whole unit schemed. But then on the other hand, not every coach can corral the emotions of an entire football team the way that Harbaugh really had through the ups and downs right here to keep everybody front and centered focused on a shared vision that it didn't matter what was put in the media. It didn't matter what other teams, mainly Ohio state threw out there about us. We're going to go out there and handle business. And they had the talent to do so. That's a job well done. Yeah, it really is. Um, By by the way, impenetrable mm -hmm. biggest word this show has used since we've begun. And I'm pretty sure I mispronounced it. No, you didn't. You were, you were spot on. I thought I threw a T in there when I didn't mean to. There is, there is a T. Much like saying the the road that I that I would that I stay on in Manoa. <laughs> well, there is a T, so you're fine. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, there there's whether you like Michigan or not, this is an anomaly for what they were able to accomplish. And Harbaugh really these last three years, I've heard it said a few times today, and I would have to probably agree. It's probably the greatest three year run in Michigan history. Mm-hmm. Three. Three straight Big Ten championships, three straight winners against Ohio State, both home and away, and then a couple of appearances in the CFP, and here we go. They won the Natty. And to that degree as well, we have seen so many changes now with players going left and right and all over the place, and here's a team that was largely the same. Retention. Yeah. I mean... 
how many guys could have potentially come in and out of the portal? And I don't recall talking a lot about Michigan guys as portal guys. And that's that's pretty neat because uh, we don't get that. And and that makes what they did even better. You're You're hitting on something here that I hope is the future for college athletics. Now that the craze of the transfer portal is just it, it's not as novel as what it once was mm-hmm. these last two years. I hope that Michigan in some ways can be an example setter of, hey, if you have these collectives in place and the players are being appreciated in terms of dollars and cents, but you have a solid unit that they want to be a part of, you're going to see a lot of four-year returning starters. I mean, this is this is Blake Corum's last season. Right. He's been there forever. J.J. McCarthy, good chance he might even come back and try to play another season. Which would be great. That'd be pretty cool. Um, A lot of that defense are returning starters from last year. Um, In college sports, more so than in professional where you have acquisitions and free agency and things like that, and there's constantly um, plug-and-play guys across the board – College, you're not able to do that as easily and find success. So perhaps, and it's a big P, perhaps maybe we're going to see more of this to come. The thing that could hurt the retention is if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Big time. And that that's the, that's the double-edged sword here is that coaches do leave all the time, you know, unless you're Nick Saban and you're around for forever. But coaches leave all the time for much better opportunities and a lot more money. And the whole thing about this team playing for Jim Harbaugh, like I I still have the vision in my mind of Donovan Edwards coming back to the sideline after he had one of the touchdowns and Jim Harbaugh's coming up to him. He's in in his chest and he's faking like he's running, uh, like he's about to run right into Donovan Edwards' chest. How many coaches are that excited about a player when they get to the sideline. It's like Jim Harbaugh was like 35 years old and channeling his youth. It was kind of cool. But when you have that kind of connection, leaving rips it apart. And this is something we're, I was kind of planning to get to as this show went along is I don't want Jim Harbaugh to leave college football. I mean, whether Jim Harbaugh was is innocent or guilty in all of this, I think we can let an investigation um, and and all of that decide that. Yeah. Um, but you know, look at the ratings. I think tw- was it twenty five million people who watched that game. There was a forty percent increase year to year over last year's national championship, and, and I believe a lot of that is Harbaugh. I believe. A lot of that is people wondering if Michigan is actually the real Michigan, hmm. the number one team in the nation. Um, sometimes it's a conversation con- for another time, but yeah. also I believe it. The four best teams found themselves in the CFP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think it shows that that in college football polarization. Yep. It 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 makes a difference. It's good for ratings, man. When you yeah. have Harbaugh on one side and you got Saban on the other. Oh no doubt. No doubt. And and the fact that, you know, and, and again, credit to Harbaugh for the job that he did because they were able to survive a 10 of 18 night from J.J. McCarthy. The running game did its job. The defense was fantastic. We Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator, bland. I'm sorry, this is one of his worst games as an offensive coordinator, but you know what? 
they didn't need that in order to win the defense with those interceptions. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's staff is, is fantastic. And a lot of that is him, um, you know, getting the work done. So I I'd love to see the quote unquote Michigan man be a Michigan man for as long as he possibly can. Cause honestly, I don't, I don't really have the need or feel the need to see him coaching the NFL again. No. And to me, if he truly is innocent and Michigan is innocent, there's no reason to leave. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of the the few people who believes that college football, a big-time college football coaching job, is better than any head coaching job in the NFL. And probably pays more. And it's just way more fun. <laughs> way more fun. The, the, the product that you get at a blue-chip school like Michigan – I would take hand over fist over the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. or the Chicago Bears. Oh, my goodness. It's not even close. Um, the college football is still magic. And if I was in Harbaugh's shoes, you're, you're starting to creep into potential. If you look at the next six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of potential dominance, you, you might be talking about one of the better college football coaches ever if you're able to, you know, in some ways, you know, like what Alabama has been able mm-hmm. to experience down uh, down south with Saban. I think Michigan has a chance to to build that level of excellence up north. Saban category, Bobby Bowden yeah. category, um, you know, the likes of those. And Bear Bryant. Yeah. Um, Newt Jim Trestle yep. at Ohio State. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there is that there's not a big list. Because especially now, coaches come and go. They don't stay at the same place. Lou Holtz. Yeah, Lou Holtz. Um, because of that, it's hard to be able to put uh one man and their job in the perspective of best ever. Because everything can change, and I don't, I don't want to have the best ever conversation. But you're, you're right. Uh, you continue this. You continue beating Ohio State, which hadn't been done for a while until Forever. they've done it now for for years in a row, decades. Um, and then you get to the Natty, or you're getting into the college football playoff where Ohio State is not. You're at at the very least. Um, you know, you're you're looking at a, in Michigan, Lloyd Carr. Um, you're looking at Jim Harbaugh in that in that conversation now, and that's and that's pretty lofty. Um, I want to talk about, and we'll do this in in a little over sixty seconds. We'll, we'll actually get into the game um, on on two fronts. One, Michigan's defense, and you were talking about it a little bit uh, because I I felt like Michigan's defense did even more than I think a lot of people expected. And two, uh, did we potentially overhype Michael Penix Jr. Uh, at, you know, after watching that game, did did we kind of find ourselves doing that after 60 minutes? Plus, um, did we get a tell on one of the potential coaching hires at the University of Hawaii, a.k.a. background of a podcast? Uh, that's coming up in just a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. No? Nope. All right, we'll get into that uh, coming up in 15 minutes. But uh, up next, we'll, we'll dive more into the national championship. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. One UH football coaching candidate 
may have made the announcement for himself on whether he's going to be a part of the uh, uh football staff uh maybe maybe he's not maybe he was just renting a space we'll tell you who and what it was we saw on social media coming up in about 15 minutes he's hunter hughes uh i'm josh pacheco it's off the bench here on espn honolulu um also a little bit later on uh we we had this uh informal poll before we got on the air what is it too late to say new year's happy new year yeah uh because the first thing you did you walked in uh you walked by uh, the control room where liz was in and you said happy new year and then along that line there was like a second guessing of like well is it too late to say happy new year and then you asked the question that i kind of shook my head at is it too late to say merry christmas only you what that i know of would ask that question you got to admit, saying Merry Christmas to someone is just happier than saying Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas has a certain che- like a certain ring to it. There, there's there's more cheer mm-hmm. in Merry Christmas, big time. Um, Happy New Year is like, uh, yeah, thanks. We'll, we'll get into a poll on that uh, coming up a little bit later on. But let's let's get back to the uh, to the natty from from yesterday. Let's let's start with the credit where credit needs to be given, and that goes to that Michigan defense because hey, um, we knew that defense was good because statistically we knew that defense was good, um, but that was frankly next level good. I don't think you and I could have looked at that and expected how good that was going to end up being, uh, because you said. We see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a moment here at 808-296-1420. You know, you had said accurately um, that secondary is fantastic, and they proved that. But the front line, you know, helped them out too. I mean, there wasn't an area of that Michigan defense that disappointed last night. That is true. I wonder... And I don't usually like to wonder this um, mm-hmm. if there were some calls that might have affected the outcome of that game. I can I can see where you're going. Are we talking about holding calls? Yeah. Um, and when you watched that one uh, in slow motion, the it, it was that 25 yard pass uh, to Oduya on the sideline um, that they ended up flipping back and mm, to Odunze. Yeah, Odunze. Thank you. Um, the right tackle did this kind of uh, Tai Chi move where he let the guy use his energy and weight and speed against him, and then he kind of pushed him down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Didn't look like holding to me. And at that point, it was 20-13, to 13 and Washington was driving. Changed the whole drive right there, and then Michigan scored on the very next drive. So, yes, I thought Michigan was dominant. They, they put hats on Penix. They um, were extremely locked um, in the secondary, but um, I think that they came down to a couple plays that kept it from being closer. Yeah, I I I I would say that one call um, was significant. I think it was the timing of the significance of that mm. one particular call. I don't know how much that would have changed the game, just given that panics was off. I mean, this was one of his worst games, and and Michigan gets credit for some of that with their defense, but he had at least four throws. The one to Adunze um, later in the game, uh, he had one toward the boundary on fourth down on the right side of the field that he missed him by maybe a foot. 
Um, he had a couple earlier in the game that could have been game changers. So I know what you're talking about when it when it comes to potential penalties that were or weren't called on both ends. Yeah. Um, but Penix's body clock in the pocket was just kind of like my sleep cycle right now. Mm. It was all out of whack. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I don't think he ever, especially in the second half as he took more hits, that, that body clock got worse and worse. Mm. His timing was off. He was throwing off his back foot. He was fluttering stuff. He was forcing stuff. And that's where I, I think outside of that one play, because I think you're right, um, Michigan's defense put him there. They did. And they forced him to need to get to his second, sometimes third read. Um, really, the the only touchdown that he threw yesterday was a was a magnificent ball yeah. in the back of the end zone, and it was his second read because Odunze got held on the front side, and then he ended up coming to the middle of the field, and you got to see how quick his release was. But you needed to be perfect to throw on Michigan yesterday, and he just he wasn't. And I think some of that has to do with them not getting much established in the running game. Michigan shutting down the running game forced Washington's hand to try to make something happen in the air. Let's say hi to Harlan's calling in on uh, Jim Harbaugh. Harlan, thank you for calling in. Hey, hey guys, happy new year and all that good stuff. There we go. It's not too, it's not too late. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) I had a, I had a quick question. Um, Basically, I think, and I'm not a Harbaugh fan, but it's hard to argue with his results. And, and I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he won the FCS at University of San Diego. He did. I think then he, he won left it twice. There and went, and then he went to then he went to Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. And he won the Pac-12 or 10 at the time, maybe. Um, and then he left there and in, used an inherited team from Mike Singletary at the 49ers and goes to the Super Bowl, right? but they didn't end up getting their result. And then he departs there and he goes to Michigan and it's been up and down, up and down. But for the most part, he's been an, an, a big time winner. And it's, I, I don't like stroking a guy with that has a massive ego, but it's really hard to argue with his results. And I'll take your response off the air. Thanks. I, I don't think you're wrong. And Harlan, I appreciate you calling in. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he's wrong. And, and the San Francisco thing, um, I believe he was forced out. Uh, you know, he didn't really jive with the front office because, you know, as we've learned and, and as Harlan said with his ego, Harbaugh's his own guy. Uh, yeah. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. That's from his dad, by the way. Um, Which is a really cool story. It is. I learned just what that means. And I'm like, okay, I I have a newfound appreciation for these guys. Yep. You know, it's funny. Nobody talks about his time at, at USD. Um, you know, someone I know, Steve Quist, who calls uh, UC San Diego games, was reminding me on on social that he used to call USD football games on the local channel there, and, and said that Harbaugh was great. Um, you know, brought him in at practice, and and you know, he got to stand by Harbaugh in some of the practices and ask any question he wanted for the remainder of those practices. Like, you know, we all learn or we all hear in in the FBS level about someone was saying, oh, he didn't provide two deeps before the Hawaii game. Um, you know, this whole sign stealing thing, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, but we forget that there is a darn good track record and there is another side to him than a lot of people are, are willing to bring up. And I feel like 
it is fair regardless of what happens here. Any sign-stealing thing, potentially, I don't think that should take away um, from the body of work uh, hmm. that he has had. We'll talk more about it a little bit later on because when we come back, uh, Hawaii football coaching news, potentially, uh, that's on the way after Sports Center on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, let, let's before we go to uh, UH football uh, content, we should finish up what we brought up uh, earlier. And since Harlan asked about it too, it is January 9th. Is it too late? to say Happy New Year to the people that you see around you. Uh, you walked in, Hunter, and you said to uh, to Liz immediately, Happy New Year. I don't remember if she said it back to you. Not that it matters. Um, but then it spurred the question, is it too late? So clearly by you uh, asking that, it's not too late. Uh, what is the threshold to you? I don't think it's a specific date. It's at least until I've gotten used to writing 2024 mm-hmm. with with a pen. Yeah, because... Like mo- filling out a form or something like that. Because like, most people say checks, but who writes checks anymore? I do. Oh. My landlord still would like checks. Oh, they don't like... Uh, Shout out to Lynn and Mike. Hey, guys. <laughs> they don't like uh, online payment? Venmo? Uh, unfortunately, no. Then it I would make say, things much easier. Then again, I can't say that. I don't have Venmo either. Mm. Someone was like, uh, you need to get Venmo. And I said, no. Why do I Why do I need to worry about another form of payment? I, I'm happy with the bank, and that's it. Venmo is actually pretty dope. Is it? It is. I've done a lot of my uh, graphic design stuff and getting paid by Venmo. Oh, okay. So, But uh, anyway, I, I think it's less on a certain day of the year. Um I don't personally have a problem with it if people are saying it through January. Interesting. Because it, it is the new year. It's the first month of the new year. Um, Let's keep the holiday cheer going as long as possible. It just it, it creates good stuff. With all the negativity in the That's world, right. I, I could see why you'd want that. I, uh, I, I would say give it a week. And <laughs> give it a week. Well, Josh says put it to rest no, already. No, no, no. I mean, well, give it a week with one exception. If it's someone you see all the time, like if it's me, for example, and you see me every day, except for yesterday, um, don't tell me Happy New see, Year. <laughs> I did have a check, like in my chest, whenever I said it to Liz, I'm like, oh, that was really stupid. <laughs> and then I quickly was like, find something, find something, find something. Oh, is it too late to say Happy New Year? <laughs> right, right. I, I felt dumb. So I know what you're saying. I, yeah. uh, I meant... In my mind, I meant to say, how was the weekend? Okay. But it came out, happy new year. (laughs) See, so for people that you see every day, um, I would say within the week that you see them. That makes sense. But if it's someone you don't really see every day. Haven't seen them through the holidays. I'd say you have an entire month. Yeah. Got to the month of January. So if I see. Because that's the catch up talk, right? Yeah, it was yeah. the holidays. Happy New Year. Yeah. So I, I, I haven't seen Hawaii baseball coach Rich Hill yet, mm. uh, but whenever I do see him, uh, they're going to have the For the Love of the Game ceremony, uh, celebration coming up a little bit later. First time I see him, I'm going to tell him uh, Happy New Year, and then I'm going to remind him about the uh, the joke he got me on uh, when he talked with us a month ago. Oh, Remember my that gosh. One? That was great. Yeah. We uh, both walked into it. We did. We did. 
Um, you can uh, you can check in with us. What's the rules on Happy New Year in uh, in in twenty twenty four? Uh, you can get in touch with us at 808-296-1420. Well, not just 2024, but, you know, whenever. I whenever feel like there's a new year. Christmas and New Year's have more give on celebration than any of the other holidays. Okay. You can't say Happy Halloween, like, second week of November. No. You can't say Happy Thanksgiving into December. No. You've crossed the threshold into Christmas. Definitely can't say Happy Fourth of July on the 8th of July. <laughs> Definitely not. You know, or happy St. Patrick's Day three days later. Or happy Easter and you mm-hmm. know, about a week later. I, I do think the week there after is that a, you say happy Master's Sunday. Yeah, I yes. I, I do think there is a threshold for Christmas. As much as you'd like yeah. to keep the uh the cheer going, I, I do think saying Merry Christmas after the twenty seventh. I'll give the twenty sixth as like a buffer day. After the twenty seventh, really? After, yeah, after the twenty seventh. I think you're good all the way up until New Year's Eve. If you're giving a gift. Hmm. Like, hey, um, I didn't get this to you in time. Um, sorry, uh, I'm terrible at, at holiday shopping, but here you go. Uh, Merry belated Christmas. I have given a Christmas gift, like, in February before. <laughs> Do tell. Well, it, Do it's, tell. It's just, uh, first of all, a gift given is always appreciated. Oh, of course. Always. Of course. And then if you throw on there, this is for, this is for Christmas, <laughs> then it's like an added little comedy thing. Right. And they appreciate it more. Because it means that you were thinking of them back then, but you just didn't get around to giving it to them. So, did you? When did you buy the gift, though? Oh, it was for Christmas. Okay, so you yeah. bought it before Christmas, you and just it was never ready to go. It. it was just like I never got it to him. It was like in my car. Or okay, that, that's that's acceptable. Yeah. So if you're if you're saying that and you're uh, you have that excuse, then fine. Say Merry Christmas in February, in that one targeted situation. I'm hearing a lot of no's in the other room. Um, Liz says no. It's either she's saying no to us or she's saying no. No, she's saying no. She's she's talking to somebody on the phone. Oh, okay. And I can totally hear her on the other side of the wall. Um, David says, uh, soon it's happy Chinese New Year or Kung Hee Fat Choi. That you can say until Valentine's Day. That, okay. That's, that's true because uh, that's in February. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes sense. Um We'll, we'll take some more of these via our text line at 808-296-1420. So, um, UH football coaching. Uh, there are some names that are being considered as uh, as finalists for the job. And one of those names, as uh, reported by Steven, uh, Steven Sy from the Home Lose Star Advertiser. Steven. Jeff Reinbold. Mm-hmm. Now... I don't know if Jeff is listening. I don't know if he went back to the Big Island or, or he's, uh, he's up here. But um, what's interesting was he he does he, he works for Sky Sports for the NFL. So all the time he's flying to uh, uh, to Europe. He's on their studio shows, and I think he goes to the Super Bowl and actually broadcasts uh, their their studio shows for them. So he's like world renowned, right? Um, his name had been brought up for um, the UH football coaching job, according to to Stephen Sy. And uh, Dan Lanning, not Dan Lanning, I'm sorry, Dan Morrison. Sorry, I saw Dan Lanning on yep. TV last night. Um, Dan Morrison's name was also there. So um, his his podcast or his live shows, whatever it is, um, he also streams them on uh, on social media. So me and, and, and surely a lot of other people are checking out the X platform, and he's talking to certain people. And you just couldn't help but notice in the background – um, 
the Clarence TCJ Athletics Complex and some of the seats on the side closer to the softball field and this like wooden spear um, that's also there. And immediately you're thinking, wait a second. He is in an, uh, a University of Hawaii football office right Based now. Based off of how you're describing that, it might even be the um, Skybox suite that they use for recruiting. Which on the um, the they Ma- have one in the coaches box. No, they they have one on the Mackay side of the football field. They turn they transform one of those suites. Uh-huh. Our version of Skyboxes. They transform one of those spaces into like the recruiting. Oh, it couldn't have been there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was a uh, um, you know those have newer colored walls. Oh, okay. But I would say they're also kind of thinner walls. Gotcha. Because, so uh, through the uh, it looked like from the coaches' offices. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So, yeah, it was um, it was kind of funny, and it, it almost leads you to believe, okay, maybe he's got the job, whatever job it is, or it's just like randomly he you know, he knows the coaches. He was on the staff a couple of years ago. Hey, director uh, of player development. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm I'm doing this uh, you know live show for for Ireland. Um, you know, maybe uh, can I borrow your office yeah. if some of the coaches are are out uh, doing whatever that whatever it is they're doing? So can I borrow your office so I can talk to the folks overseas? And maybe they said yes, sure. Um, or this is the worst kept secret in uh, UH coaching for you know the last several years. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I thought it was kind of funny because Stephen Sy had reported um, both Reinbold, uh, Dan Morrison. Yep. And, uh, and and Dennis Thurman. And, you know, I, I won't focus on Reinbold so much outside of the idea that uh, he's spoiling the secret. But I do want to focus on Dan Morrison because everybody's talking about offense, as they should. That's the uh, the, the Hawaii identity. Yep. Um, if Dan Morrison is considered, I don't know if it sounds like he might be the favorite. Yeah. Um, if his name is being brought up, I love it. Me too. Um, you know, the fact that Dan Morrison was kind of an advisor yep. for a couple of games last year, whatever it was. Consulted. This, that's Thank you. That was the correct word. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. There's still some continuity there because Braden Shager already knows him. Yep. Um, you know, the entire offensive staff pretty much knows him. and Played for him. That's right. And you made a really good point because as we were talking about this before the show, um, you, we've talked about it before too. Mm-hmm. Trust, especially on offense, and there may be no better name when it comes to trust on the offensive side of the ball than Dan Morrison. Uh, whatever, it is, whether it's OC or something else, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to go co-OCs or not. We don't know. Um, but that just makes total sense in the tree of the run and shoot to have maybe one of the most trustworthy people on the staff. Totally. I think with an offense like the run and shoot on a team like Hawaii, you can't afford to roll the dice outside of that June Jones coaching tree. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those OG coaches aren't in the game any longer. And so now you have the disciples of those guys, the guys that played under them, the Rolos, the Stutz, the Timmies, the Nate Laos, the... Th- that is the next generation from there. Right. What you're getting with Dan Morrison is actually first generation. He coached right alongside June Jones in the run and shoot. And no matter where June went, he always brought 
Coach Morrison. This is huge. This, in my mind, is like bringing uh, Dumbledore from, you know what I'm saying, of the run and shoot, like of the hierarchy, like right next to Mouse Davis, like you are bringing one of the OG gurus to come in and you said it, the, 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 the trust, the, um, the connection already, the, the comfort. Uh, he was already a, 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 uh, a trusted consultant in season this last year, which is normally a rare thing to do, to mm-hmm. bring a consultant in in the middle of the year. But they brought Coach Morrison in there, and he brought a, a really great uh, perspective to Timmy, to uh, Timmy in this offense uh, and kind of helped charge some things. Um, so in my mind, th- this feels like a slam dunk. Um, he loves this team. He loves this staff. He just loves football. And if you've ever been around the guy, it's tough not to love him back. He's just a big teddy bear yeah. and he's just so sweet. And one of the best football minds I've ever gotten to talk to. So I'm, Absolutely a big fan of this. And uh, along along with him and Reinbold, because you brought him up earlier, they offer, in my mind, a much-needed kind of seasoning, if you will, to our coaching staff, which is already kind of young. Yeah, Th- There's something with having um, some more aged coaches that just bring a different aspect to our team. Yeah. Um, Coach Reinbold also having that world experience um, – that expands beyond just the United States really helps broaden the horizons of our current team outside of what they could possibly dream just on their own. So it's bigger than just football with these guys. And I think you get a lot of bang for your buck with bringing them back into the fold. The only question I have, and I'll, I'll focus on offense specifically. um, Are you still going with a co-offensive coordinator set or, if you hire Dan Morrison, I don't know if you even hire him as an OC. Is he hired just as a quarterback's coach? I don't know. Um, but how is that structure going to be? Because I think we both agree the one thing that's going to be consistent is that Timmy Chang is going to run the show. Um, I don't think he's I, – I would doubt that he gives up play calling. We'll see. Um, but at some point he has to be less hands-on. Uh, and we use the word trust, more trustworthy. How much do you give up? How do you assign the roles? Because I think that's going to be as important as the hires itself hmm. is how, is your structure. Structure is so important. Uh, you know that being on a team in which you have seen the structure of coaches, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, This is why I think this is his most important hiring situation because it's not just who, but it's how, and he's, and he's going to have to own these more than any other hires he's, he's made. I think he knows and understands that to get to that next level, we got to change a few things up and it's not just personnel. It's how we go about doing things. Um, There were a lot of times where it felt like our team was overheating Mm. Mm -hmm. and our coaching staff was trying their best to throw coolant on it and have it run at its absolute max and barely squeak by. 
And so in some ways, I think there's some restructuring, some reorganization in the staff to hopefully grease the hinges, if you will, and help the thing run a little bit more smooth. I, I think there are there is some room for that. I love that the 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 word I, I love the fact that you said overheating um that's not a normal way to put it but as you kind of think about it that makes so much sense uh coming up we've got tickets to check out hawaii men's volleyball against emmanuel uh, hawaii the fourth ranked team in the avca poll uh we've got uh, tickets for wednesday and for friday so uh, standby we'll be giving those away sometime between now and six o'clock and speaking of volleyball call the coach with charlie wade presented by paxa is tonight 6 30 p.m at ruby tuesday in the moana lewis shopping center uh, enjoy some ruby tuesday specials prize giveaways and uh, listen to tiff wells and uh, charlie wade get the latest on uh, hawaii rainbow warrior volleyball that's coming up tonight uh, so make sure you check it out all right uh we'll get to uh, some of your text messages and uh, a little bit more on the coaching side because uh, there is something else that we were talking about earlier that i wanted to throw out when it comes to structure that's on the way in 90 seconds you're listening to off the bench on espn honolulu Nick DeLuca's got Sports Center coming up uh, at the top of the hour. Nick DeLuca. Yeah, he's our he's our favorite. Our favorite jocked voice Sports Center. I'm Nick DeLuca. DeLuca. You know, we uh, we are often told early in the business um sound like yourself you know don't don't we call it jocking our voices. Hmm. Um don't do that. So, and sometimes I did it so much when I was younger. Sometimes I still find myself doing that, which I try not to. He's like so guilty, so guilty of it. Um, like old movies, they would they were taught to do that. That mid Atlantic. Well, hello there. It's not quite British, mm-hmm. but it was like a how you doing there, old chap? And you could tell totally. Yeah, it it was a thing that they checked into. He. It's not the same, but kind of checks into something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to finish what we were talking about on, uh, on coaches and whatever happens here with, uh, with UH coaches. We don't know what's going to happen here. Um, but I was reminded of Norm Chow's staff. And I don't know how many reassignments there are going to be. Um, you know, I think the expectation, I think, according to reports, was that um, you know, Jacob Yoro is probably going to be reassigned. He was co-defensive coordinator. Um, you know, for the last, I think he was co the last, uh, this past season. I don't think he was co the year prior. I don't, I don't recall. Um, but there's probably going to be a reassignment of him, maybe several others. And the reason why I was reminded of Norm Chow, Norm Chow's staffs were like hammerjang. Yep. They were all over the place. He had people coaching and coaching places. I played that, in them. I, yeah. You know what that's like. Yep. How did it feel? Well, I was stoked just to be on the team, <laughs> um, just to be fully transparent. I didn't see it until hindsight to know what was really going on. But the guy that actually got me on the team, Jordan Wynn, who played quarterback at Utah uh-huh. um, under Chow, was kind of brought out here to be the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. You find out later, Chow was happy to hire him because he was young, fresh out of college, and if things did not go well you got a perfect scapegoat and you get rid of him right away which is exactly what happened it's exactly what happened oh wonderful and you found that with a few other guys too Mm -hmm. um 
where you could probably it was probably a budget thing as well. You could get those guys kind of on the cheap and without much much uh, fear of things going wrong because you could just move on. But you had guys coaching in places that they had no business coaching. Wasn't Abraham Illamimian, um when he was on that staff, if I recall, wasn't he coaching a position that wasn't, um, you know, wasn't a position he should have been I think they still coaching? had Coach Abe on the defense. I think he might have been safeties um, whenever he first got here, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but there, there were a couple other guys like... Uh, um, uh, Coach Luke, um, mm-hmm. he w- was a receiver for Chow, and then he put him at receivers coach, and there were several guys that transferred from that Utah team onto our team, so it was like their former teammate was now their coach. That's Which can be kind of weird. Can be weird within a season or two of them playing together. Mm-hmm. So there, there were a, a couple aspects like that. Um, we had a, we had a, a, a trainer our strength and conditioning coach who had like consistent health issues and Chow kept him on the, the, the team. And it just, it was, it was rough to keep everything straight. And then of course, when he got let go and then coach Naole became our interim head coach, uh, it was like kind of jumping on a mechanical bull. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I bring it up because you know, this is part of the job, right? Part of the job is to make sure that um, you have staff members in the right place. And and I felt like Norm Chow didn't have that uh, when, when he was coaching. I, and that's why I say it, it just seemed like a, a terribly put together staff. Mm. And in this case, in, in uh, Timmy Chang's third year, reassigning to me gives the impression at times that, okay, I didn't have people in the right place. I I may not have assigned my coaches in the right way. Now I've got to fix it. Um, now I've got to make these hires in what is a, a really important year. I've got to make these hires in order to, to, to figure it out. And um, that, I think, is what we're going to see. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with other other people on this staff, but I think that will, to me, I'm going to watch that. To see how he um, how he ends up putting the staff together and whether it works, um, because he ultimately is going to be accountable for that, hmm. um, and, and along with the results. Um, and I I kind of have a feeling with some of the names that have been talked about. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I kind of have a feeling that um, he may be on the right track. I, I don't know about uh, about how you see it, but I'm a fan. Of all three of those guys, mm-hmm. they're they're familiar names to our program. They may not necessarily have the sort of spark or pizzazz that you would want, but we don't need that in coordinator positions or even assistant coaches because that that's another thing that was um, on the uh, on the website for jobs they were looking to fill is right. assistant coaches um, positions. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's difficult to just throw out a name and say that they're going to be good fits. But I hear those, and I'm like, oh, that, that makes sense right off the bat. We got Sports Center coming up. We'll take a look at traffic as well. And on the way back, are we seeing Tua Mariota vibes? That's next. I got to correct myself. Uh, something I said last hour. Uh, when Abe Elamimian was coaching out of position, it was actually during Todd Graham's staff. 
He was coaching running backs. Um, that doesn't take away the fact that I, I thought Norm Chow had a really odd put-together staff. But, yeah, it was Todd Graham that misused Abraham Elamibian. So I want to make sure that I, uh, I, I get that correct for the uh, for the audience. It is off the bench. You're shaking your head at me like, yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. A lot of my teammates were on that on that squad still. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Abe was our best recruiter. So the only thought was maybe there was a worry that we were going to lose Dedrick Parsons during that time. But mm-hmm. other than that, we're like, why is he coaching running backs? Right. He's been on the defense side. He was a, he was a defensive guy. Make, it made no sense. No. Yep. No, none whatsoever. And I remember it was uh, when Timmy Chang was hired and there was a big deal made. I think there was a story in the Honolulu Star Advertiser about how he's back where he belongs or he's back where, you yeah. know, in the, in the position he loves. Like it was made it's very comical clear. to the other, like to the coaches as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Um, so yeah, I need to issue that correction because we, we want to get things right uh, here on this radio program. Coming up. Uh, we got two pairs of men's volleyball tickets for tomorrow night's match, Hawaii and Emmanuel uh, at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. One more for Friday as well. Uh, so stand by for your opportunity to win that. Uh, getting ready for the NFL uh, postseason. We got uh, several key matchups, one of them being Miami and Kansas City. By the way, you can listen to it for free. Uh, on CBS 1500 coming up on Saturday. I say I, I emphasize that because the uh, game is being streamed Peacock. on Peacock and you have to have a Peacock subscription for it. Unless you live in Miami and Kansas City, by NFL rule, they have to have those games on free television. So they don't have to worry. The rest of the country does. Get your Peacock subscription ready. Or, or do your, th- I don't know if they do a 30-day free trial like Prime Video does. Uh, but if they have that, there's do always it. a way. Yeah, pay for it and then uh, pay for your month and then get out of it. You could do that too. Um, but we'll have it for free, so so not to fear. We'll we'll have the audio version of it. Um, but that game's notable because the Miami Dolphins are on the road for it. Uh, they could not win the AFC East when it looked like it was their division to win. Uh, down the stretch, they faltered enough where the Buffalo Bills on that final weekend um, had a, a situation where they they could win the division. The Bills also very much could have been out of the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, they I, lost. Right. Well, once they – I think the games earlier in the day locked them in because when Jacksonville lost, um, and, and that was stunning – when Jacksonville lost, it guaranteed a playoff spot for the Bills and the Steelers. So the Bills at that point knew, all right, we're you know we're we're in. Um, when that was not guaranteed, but uh, that made it a uh, you know basically you win, you get home fielded, you get home field up to the AFC Championship at the very least because uh, you know they're the two seed now. So um, it leaves Miami and Kansas City, which is just a beautiful matchup to to behold. Uh, the NFL screenwriters knew what they were doing. Yeah. Script writers, I should say. Miami's on the road uh, at Kansas City. If there is any time to beat Patrick Mahomes, now is that time. Uh, Kansas City is as vulnerable as they have ever been. And uh, if there is a team to do it, it would be Miami, right? I think so. But here's the thing. Um we cannot forget, and I remember we had this conversation. Was it last week? I think it was last week um, when we played back Chris Canty's sound on Unsportsmanlike. 
And he was talking about whether he would give to a, uh, you know, a contract extension. And he was like, no. And we had this chat about, you know, he he's going to the playoffs for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Hasn't won a division, um, which I didn't realize until we started talking about it. And so I'm kind of I've I have found myself um, starting to make Tua and Mariota comparisons. And I had this thought I was I was doing a hike on Sunday and listening to the Bills Dolphins game, um, doing the ridge hike just uh, to the side of Cocoa Head. So I was doing the hike and I was listening to Ryan Radke and Mike Golick. And Ryan reminded us, and I I forgot, Tua's been in the league for four years, right? You know who's won the AFC East all four of those years? The Chiefs. No, AFC East. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo's won the division each of the last four years. Now, I can't put last year on Miami. Um, Tua got hurt. Right? But I can put most of those other years uh, partially on Miami because a lot of people have believed that Miami is a, a, a good enough team to be in that position to make it to the postseason, but they haven't gone. So here is their first opportunity to go to the postseason. And so I, I want to kind of put this comparison to you, and I want to see, I want you to, to, to see if it makes sense. Um, Marcus Mariota, in his first four years as Titans quarterback, and granted toward the very end, I mean, he was becoming a backup before he was, he was gone. First four years in Tennessee, no division titles. Finished second a couple of times. Those are the years where they went to the postseason in 2017 or in, and in 2019. But remember, in 2019, he was benched for um, for Ryan Tannehill, and he did play in like two games. One of them, he had a rush. The other, he went one for one. I think it was in their their wild card game that year. They ultimately got to the AFC Championship game, where I believe they lost to Kansas City in that game. Uh, but he does have a playoff win. Uh, that playoff win was in 2017, and it was against Kansas City. But again, no playoff wins. But he has played uh, in portions. I mean, his team has gone to six postseason games. That's including the time he was a backup in Las Vegas with the Raiders. But he has played in four of those games. He's got a starting quarterback record of one and one. Marcus. Uh, so Tua, no division titles. This is his first uh, playoff game. To his numbers, yeah, better, um, more touchdowns, less interceptions. Mariota was hurt a bit more toward the end of his time in Tennessee, where this is probably the most healthy that Tua has been um, going into his first playoff game. But I, I, I find myself still unable to get away from trying to, you know, that you know, I can't get away from that comparison. You know, not just because they are two Hawaii quarterbacks, but they are two quarterbacks kind of in a position where it seems like they still have a little bit to prove. Um, you know, can you win a division in Miami? Can you win a playoff game? This is Tua Tonga-Vailoa's biggest game of his career yep. coming up on Saturday night. Can he pull it off? Um, what would that say to you if he can't win? If if they lose in that wild card game on Sunday, what does that say? Does it Does it say anything? Hmm. I think it's fair to say that if the Dolphins can't get it done this weekend, that they left a lot on the table mm-hmm. this year, especially if you hung 70 on the Broncos. Right. Um, 
they seem to, I don't know if the wheels fell off is the, 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 the proper terminology because they, they still played good football. It just wasn't enough to win those last two games, but they lost to Dallas and Buffalo right. in the last two games of the season. Um, I do think in some ways it is fair to wonder and to have a little bit of questionability about his future if they can't win this weekend against a struggling Kansas City team. Because it's not the Kansas City team of two seasons ago. Correct. Or even last year. They won the Super Bowl last year. Um, I And the, the, the biggest question was, what if Tua just had a season to be healthy? He had it. That's this season. No major injuries. Best um, roster around him. Best roster around him. Tyreek about to go for 2,000, just shy of it. A couple for, of yards, too. Unreal. I think it was a two yard shy of, of 1,800. <gasps> Man. And, and he is in a walking boot, so I will I will give that uh, to, to Tyreek Hill. And they were a little beat up going into week 18, but still, that roster is stacked enough. Got to think he's going to play. Mm -hmm. this weekend I think the other thing for me is we've spent so much time talking about big games Um, and when we talk about good teams we talk about big games they go hand in hand Um, we talked a lot about how Miami uh, didn't have they didn't play necessarily the great teams you could argue Miami's had like what one big time win all year uh, and that was against Dallas I think of that AFC East, you know, winner takes the division game, and and Miami was very much in control. But I think of the end of that game when Buffalo has that punt return for a touchdown. I think that was ninety six yards. They get was it one or two possessions later? They get the score on offense, um, and I'm I'm looking at I'm 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 looking at Miami's offense. And it was almost like they shut down. And you know that's not to put it all on Tua, but at the same time, um, they didn't move. And Buffalo, in its part, you know, took the momentum away. And Miami, as good of a team as they are, never got it back. And you can focus in on you know eight minutes, nine minutes here and there, but you kind of have to um, because that makes the mark of really good teams when they face adversity. And I'm kind of just hung up on that a little bit because they could have gone, you know, back and forth with Buffalo in that final 10, 11 minutes. And they just couldn't, Uh, you know, he had that interception that sealed the game uh, late in that game. I mean, I think you mentioned he had a, he had a couple of picks there. That's um, in, in big moments, you you expect your quarterback to come through, and he and he didn't there, and that I, I think fairly can be kind of frustrating. The the picks were frustrating, um, but there's so much uh, I'd say give in their offense, where mm-hmm. so many of their passing routes are choice option routes, where Tua is usually throwing guys open. He's throwing to a space that he's hoping. The guy will make a read. In some ways, it's similar to upper-level run-and-shoot, right. where he will oftentimes throw a ball into a dead space, and Tyreek Hill will have to break off a route downhill and then come back to the football. Um, that's why it looks like the ball is sometimes way out of place is because he's trying to throw a guy 
away from coverage. If you're not perfectly in sync, that can easily, easily go off, um, off plan very, very fast. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you, when you get to this point of the NFL season in high level games, you're going to be scrutinized. These are the games that matter. And these are the games that earn you those big time contracts. And so whether you want to put full blame on him or not, it's par for the course whenever you're a big-time quarterback who's trying to put himself in the elite category in these big-time games. So um, I'm going to hold my uh, judgment, criticism, whatever you want to call it, until after this Kansas City game because we, we said it last week. The determining factor for him will not be if he wins a division. It's if he wins a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So he still has that out in front of him. And to me, hats off to NBC putting that game on Peacock because to me, that's the matchup of the weekend. Yeah. That's, the, I, that's the one that I want to watch the most. I know some people on the Dang other it. side would say, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, hats off, you know, why mess with us, NBC? Why are you putting it on Peacock? We oh, all want to see this. That's that's why I'm kind of joking about oh, it sarcastically. Oh, you're joking about yeah. it. No, I... Well, I'm, I do. I actually, upset. I actually do think it is smart, though. Um, remember when ESPN launched ESPNU, and um, you know ESPN, they they put like the number one team in the country that opening weekend in college football. I think it was Ohio State, and they put them on ESPNU, and everybody was outraged because not everybody could get ESPNU at the time. It was still like a fledgling network. But hey, we want to draw people to our new network. So we're putting uh, we're, we're we're putting the number one team in the country right there. I think more big time sports agencies need to learn a lesson from how the Masters does stuff for mm-hmm. for many reasons, but mainly how they broadcast things. Mm-hmm. You can watch every stitch of that tournament from every player for a hundred percent free on their website, a hundred percent. And guess what? Their title sponsors, AT and T, IBM. And I think uh, I think maybe American Express is the other one. Yeah, we get nonstop ads from those three companies, like up the wazoo. But at the same time, we're watching it for free. Right. There's way to earn that revenue than to just get people hooked up for another nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. They're not going to go away from it because pe- there's too much cord cutting now where they're not getting as much revenue from the cable companies where they got to make it up somehow. And NFL rights are only going up. They're going to continue to go up and up and up and up. And you got to pay for it somehow because uh, ad revenue less and less is going to make up for it. So I, I see what they're doing. Um, and this is by the way, the second Peacock exclusive game. Cause they had one. Was it week 16 or week 17? I don't remember what it was, but they had a game on NBC and they had a game on, on Peacock. And so, you know, I, I, I totally get it. Um, good luck. I mean, well, at this point, if you don't know where to find it, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, most people now have smart TVs or they have computers or they have uh, phones. If you want it, I think we were talking about it earlier, like pay for the month and then get rid of it. Cause it's not like you're locked in for a year or anything. There's mm-hmm. no contract. 
um, just buy it and then, you know, a month later just say goodbye. Um, watch a whole bunch of other stuff. Watch Big Ten basketball on Peacock because they won't put it on TV. Watch Caitlin Clark hit like five more buzzer beaters on Peacock. You know, it was a sad day when they took The Office off of Netflix and you had to have oh, Peacock to watch The Office. Yeah. Oh, like, man. I get it. That was a sad day in my house. Yeah. You, do you have a Peacock subscription? Of course not. You you wouldn't even get a subscription for The Office. Bro, I, I'm still balling on that college budget, baby. Okay. That makes sense. I haven't grown out of that yet. Fair, fairness, uh, <laughs> I don't have one either. Yeah. So, like I said. Um, you want to split one for this weekend? And then we'll back out of it. I'm open to that. After that 14-day trial. I'm, I'm open to that. Or if, before it's up. If they do give a trial, yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to that. There we go. Um, Josh and Hunter. This on is, the radio. This is what a partnership at does. gmail.com. <laughs> we don't have the password for you guys. So don't try to get it. No. Um, this is this is what partnerships do. There partnerships we go. Uh, you know, look out for each other in times of need. Uh, by the way, breaking news here. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting. Eric Spolster has just signed an eight-year extension with the Miami Heat. Want to know how much is in that eight-year extension? Buck 50. You can find out when we come back. Uh, first, we tell you about Call the Coach. It is presented by Paxa, and it is coming up tonight, 6.30 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. You've got uh, Ruby Tuesday specials. You've got uh, UH Warrior Volleyball talk and so much more. 6.30 tonight right here on ESPN Honolulu. Traffic, and as I promised, numbers. That's coming up next. All right, let's uh, let's give away a couple of tickets. Uh, men's volleyball, number four in the nation, taking on a manual tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, let's do caller number five for this one at 808-296-1420. Caller number five is going to score two tickets to what is right now the hottest show in town, men's volleyball uh, at the stand. So uh, dial in. We'll get those tickets out coming up in just a little bit. All right, I teased... The Eric Spolstra contract extension that was just announced by Adrian Wojnarowski, eight years, $120 million with the Miami Heat. It's the most committed money to a coach in NBA history. Even more than Pop. Yeah, even more than Pop. Wow. Um, Granted, Pop's had some bad years. This one included. So has the Heat. Yeah. The one difference, I think, pops on his last legs. Um, has he been successful since Ginobili, Parker, Duncan? Nope. Spolster has been able to coach several teams. The Shaq years. Yep. Wade. Wade. LeBron Wade. Bosch. Butler. Um, he's had a lot of successful teams, which I think tells you a little bit about his abilities as a coach. Former video guy. I mean, his his rise in the NBA is incredibly impressive. Uh, so yeah, that's that's in from Woj. One hundred twenty plus million dollar extension for Eric Spolstra with the Miami Heat. We'll get back to the NFL playoffs coming up in just a moment. I want to know from you outside of Miami and Kansas City, most intriguing matchup to you uh, in the postseason. That's coming up. But first, we tell you about pigskin picks. We're going to the playoffs, folks. Still chance to win. 
some great weekly prizes. We got our uh, grand prize at the end of the year. Pigskin Picks brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. We'll get traffic. We'll get Sports Center coming up. It's off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. More volleyball tickets coming up in uh, just a little while. You're listening to Off the Bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes is here. Uh, he won't be here tomorrow because uh, he's filling in for Kanoa Leahy on Let's Talk Sports tomorrow. Uh, you did so well throw, the first time. Throw me the keys again. That's right. Uh, we've gotten the stamp of approval for you. So uh, enjoy tomorrow. Uh, leaving me solo from uh, from three to six, but I'm going to be listening in because I will be sitting at my quote unquote desk about uh, 15 feet away from where I'm sitting. Well, not 15, maybe like 20 to 25 feet away from where I'm currently Just sitting. Just close enough to pull the cord. Eh, I don't have a cord to pull. If I blow it, you won't. I know. Trust me, you will not. Yeah. Uh, Hunter's got really good stuff, so uh, I'm excited for that tomorrow. Make sure you listen in. Um, NFL postseason games. On the docket this weekend, uh, Saturday through Monday, we're off Monday because of the uh, final wild card game. It's that super wild card weekend they've been uh, promoting the last couple of years. Six games um, outside of Miami and Kansas City, which is the primetime game Saturday. What is the game that you are most looking forward to? Hmm. I think this goes hand in hand with the team that I'm most rooting for. Okay, so we know that Green Bay and Dallas is not it. No. <laughs> By the way, who owns who owns the Bears? Oh my god. Jordan Love owns the Bears. Shush. Just stop it. <laughs> I'm not even gonna entertain. He took, he took that. over the deed from that that wacko Aaron Rodgers. He didn't take over for nothing yet. Okay. All right. Well, that for- to me that role still lies with number twelve. Uh, okay. They he played fine, but just cool your jets. All right, fine. Ugh. <laughs> How did they make it into the playoffs? I was I was waiting for an opportunity to, to to strike with that. I told Hunter. I uh, hope during, the Cowboys hang fifty on him. Uh, they they very well might. I told Hunter during one of the commercial breaks, I resisted the urge to wear uh, my Green Bay jersey, come in and just like rub it in your face, and then play uh, uh, Todd Lundgren's uh, you know bang on the drum all day, uh, just to just you know rub it in. I don't know how you guys don't have a skin condition after wearing those jerseys. Green and yellow just does not go well with anything. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, game you're most looking forward to uh, that clearly has nothing to do <laughs> with uh, Green Bay and Dallas or Miami and Kansas City. We've knocked out two. We got nope. five. We got four left. Lions, Rams. Ooh, okay. Tell Lions, Rams. Um, I think the Lions are the Cinderella team of the NFL, and with the surprise return of Stafford coming back to Detroit to play this playoff game. I think I just like the storylines here. And with a lot of the other attention going to teams like the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles kind of uh, running out of fuel uh, towards Mm -hmm. the end of the season, the Lions might be sneaking up on some folks. And 
I would love to see them surprise some people and make a deep playoff run. I think they absolutely can. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of, uh, I, I think they can make it to the NFC Championship game um, if, if the draw works out right. Because right now, I mean, I, I think the top two teams in the NFC for me are San Francisco and Dallas. Um, but I would say Detroit has, has to be um, in the mix because Detroit has played well enough here recently. Uh, I think they do have the chip on their shoulder because no one expected Detroit to be here. So, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love that game. Plus, there's, there's the inherent storylines in there. The quarterback swap with uh, with Stafford and Goff. Um, Puka Nakua, uh, you, you've got uh, a really good wide receiver there. The rookie, just, you know, incredible, incredible kid there in Los Angeles. These are high-powered offenses that uh, I, I think can be one of the most explosive games in the weekend. Yeah, and the Rams have kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We didn't really, similar to the Packers, I, I didn't think the Rams had a shot at making the playoffs midway through the season, right. and yet here they are. Right. Um, to me, I, I like those storylines uh, come the playoffs because they really have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And... McVay, that that core of that team, they've won a championship together not not that long ago. We're only talking two seasons ago. So, yes, some some changes have been made. Maybe Cooper Cup's not quite the same player that he was a couple seasons ago, but they might put up a good fight here. I'm looking forward to that matchup. Uh, I am going to go with Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Sunday game, the uh, Sunday night game. You'll hear that here on ESPN Honolulu, just like you'll hear uh, – uh, the game you were talking about with the Rams and the Lions. Um, both of these teams, I think, are similar. In a way, almost too similar. Um, I, I look at these teams as teams that are just going to like grind out games. It's going to come down to like one big play here, one big play there. Um, I feel like this is going to be one of those like 17-13 kind of games. Um, Josh Allen to me has taken a step back. Hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel like even you know, with the win over the Dolphins, um, he didn't have to me the greatest of games against yeah, he had two picks. He did one was um, horrendous, but he made a couple of plays with his legs toward the final parts of that game. Um, he had that passing touchdown as well. That was like, this is, this is vintage Josh Allen. He's kind of like the new Brett Favre. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I would I, agree with I, that. I love him for his heart. Yeah. He's never afraid to put his body on the line for the team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, he was willing to like dive in the air to try to get a first down, which he ultimately didn't get because he made the mistake of diving in the air and 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 tucking the football as compared to like reaching out out in the middle of the field because, you know, you shouldn't. I guess I guess it wasn't a mistake. It's just, you, you do it, but it's not going to help you get a first down. The Laramie legend. Right. Um but he, I, it, it, he's taking a step back. Um, I feel like Buffalo's going to win the game in the trenches, but one big Pittsburgh play, and and we're talking about a different outcome. This is this is to me just a team that is. Um, these are teams that are eerily similar. Pittsburgh getting in there is stunning to me. Hmm. Uh, let's let's first get that out of the way. We were talking about Mike Tomlin's job a couple of weeks ago. Now he's got another. They're plus in the five. playoffs. Yeah, they got a plus 500 season. The nerve of some people to throw that out there. Like, it, I, I'm sure there, there is some validity to oh, those def- statements. Well, definitely. But t- to me, it's like 
this season's not over yet. Mm-hmm. You got a shot at, at making a playoff run here with, with a team without a quarterback. To me, that's a phenomenal coaching job. Yeah. Pickett's been done since like week, what, 11, something like that. They've gone through uh, um, Mason Rudolph and uh, a handful of others. It's just all over the place. And yet they find themselves in a 10-win season going up against um, the Bills in, uh, in my mind, a kind of a, a classic uh, yeah. AFC. They're not in the same division, but it seems like they're both in the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we'll get some snow in that game. And literally they are in the north. They or are more northeast. They're more north than the rest of these teams. The AFC northeast. There you go, northeast. Like how Dallas fits in the NFC east. It doesn't. Mm, yeah, we know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, there are a few games that I think can count as potential upsets. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I consider Miami winning in Kansas city an upset, so I'm not going to count that, but I believe Pittsburgh can upset Buffalo. Uh, just like I believe Tampa Bay, well, Tampa Bay is hosting Philly, uh, which is just a dramatic fall from grace for Philadelphia here in the last month. I think Tampa Bay can win. Um, I would, some would consider that an upset because of what Philadelphia has done this year. I definitely, I, I, I will say Tampa Bay wins that game. Um, yeah, those, those are the two, I, I think big ones for me. Um, but I'll, I'll take, if, uh, if the bucks win this playoff game, watch the bucks will extend Baker mm-hmm. for another four seasons as they should. That absolutely will happen. Yeah. If he wins a playoff game with this Bucks team, they're they're going to invest into him, and they should. Um, you know, Baker has he. I don't want to say he's done his time, um, but he's been patient. Uh, he has found himself very patient. Uh, bounced around with the Rams, obviously now in Tampa, where he's found a, a, a little bit of a home. This I is mean, his fourth team. Yeah, and and at some point it that patience and hard work pays off. And I, and I think he's done that. Um, if the Rams beat the lions, is it considered an upset? Mm. I'm going to say yes. I think Detroit suffers somewhat of a similar media fate mm-hmm. that uh, the Ravens do. They're in kind of a, a smaller market where they don't get as much pub. So they're not getting as much credit for their 12-win season that I feel like they probably should. Mm -hmm. And based off of that and the strength of this team compared to that of the Rams, I I would consider that an upset. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. What is the uh, playoff game that's not Dolphins-Chiefs that uh, you are looking uh, the most forward to? Uh, coming up on uh, Saturday or Sunday or Monday, uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. You can let us know our text line or our studio line at 808-296-1420. You are a golf guy, Hunter. Big time. So uh, coming up, I want to dig into your your golf treasure chest. Uh, and no, not about the Sony Open in Hawaii, uh, which is uh, getting yep, Thursday, weather permitting, because they're expecting uh, more rain on Thursday. We've had some rain here over the last day and a half or so. Um, most of that is kind of left here. Um, although yesterday, I'll be honest, I went outside to grab something to eat. and It was like 2.30 in the afternoon, and it was pouring. It was cold, and it felt like it was 6 o'clock at Dude, night. yesterday was eternally dusk. Yes. Yeah. And Liz and I were talking yesterday. Love the rain. 
I am I am big on rain. I am big on cold. Uh, I just have to remember bringing a jacket to work, which I keep forgetting to do. Big on that. Uh, it was just like very different. And then, of course, it gets very different because they had a tornado warning for Molokai uh, last night. Did which they really? They did. No reports on whether one actually touched down, but they had a report. Doesn't that of mean warning means that there's one touching? Supposed to be. Yeah. Watch is, it's in the forecast. Yeah. Warning means it's it's down. And usually you never see a watch. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, bam, warning. Um, My family lives in Tornado Alley. Oh, really? In Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So when it's warning, there's a funnel cloud. Mm. And then last night they had the uh, the rolling blackouts. You guys had yours, Do, right? We have one in Manoa. Yeah. Yeah. They had it across the island. Um, Hiko said earlier today they're not doing that anymore, that they've uh, everything's been taken care of. Uh, we had ours. They said it was 8 to 8.30. Eh, their clocks are off, so it happened at 7.55. Um, just, it's funny because we were thinking, okay, we, we got time. We're going we're gonna to get dinner done by 8 um, because I, I think I had just gotten home from here. All right, we're going we're gonna to hurry up dinner. Um, put something in the air fryer, put something in the, in, uh, on a pan. All right. Eight o'clock comes. We're gonna be done. We're gonna be eating dinner. We got a flashlight. We, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get this done. Then it's 7.55. I feel like it didn't happen. I feel like that's the kind of information that I would like to automatically hit my phone. What do you mean? I had no idea there was rolling blackouts happening. Oh, really? Yeah. I just thought we lost power. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it was across the island. They were putting it on social, and I have the um, the Hiko app, so uh-huh. I, I I saw it. And someone had forwarded me a press release. Thank you, Tiff. Um, had forwarded Shout me out a, to Tiff. Yeah, uh, busy guy today. Um, he, had, he had forwarded that on to me, but I was like, <laughs> I thought it said eight. And the funny thing is it lasted exactly 30 minutes uh, on five minutes early time, so 7.55 to 8.25. And then they put out a thing later saying there's going to be more. And so there was supposed to be another one in our neighborhood at 9.30, from 9.30 to 10. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, it's 9.37. We haven't had our rolling blackout yet. I said something on social that said, um, not to jinx it here, but uh, it hasn't happened in our area yet. And whoever runs the social for Hawaiian Electric said, and I quote, it may be a little later than what is on the schedule. And they go, great. I want to, you know, the good thing about rolling blackouts is you can kind of plan for them. Mm -hmm. Hearing it may be a little later than what is on the schedule is not necessarily the greatest thing you want to hear when you're planning. But then it never happened because they canceled the rolling blackouts. Uh, But I appreciate the communication from them, uh, which is which is very good. Um, That's that's great social media presence. Uh, And I'm glad it seems like um, there were there were a few incidents with with traffic accidents and things like that. But uh, one more round of rain on Thursday. So the uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii could be impacted on that day. But that's not where we're going with golf. I I took a, a really long scenic route to get to the tees to traffic and break because there is one breakup in golf uh, that we will uh, get Hunter's thoughts on when we come back. Traffic right here. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Draymond Green's coming back at one point or at some point. Um, and what he said recently has been kind of refreshing. Uh, and I'll share that with you coming up in just about 10 minutes. We'll get back to the natty. 
in which Michigan won uh, over Washington last night. And a lot of people are complaining about the game, which I find kind of fun. Uh, That's coming up in just a little bit. Tiger Woods is breaking up with Nike in uh, something that I uh, didn't think we'd be talking about. But uh, Tiger's been, you know, we've seen less and less of Tiger in the golf course. And uh, uh, they basically announced their parting ways. And I don't think Tiger's done. He says there's some some bigger things to come. But golf is near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the, the red polos on Sundays are near and dear to your heart. So uh, how, what kind of feels... Does Tiger and Nike breaking up? This feels like a, a TMZ segment. Tiger and Nike are breaking up. Your thoughts. Um, but what what kind of feels does this give you? Dude, I about started crying yesterday. Are you joking or are you No, s- I'm like for real. Really? Yeah. It was it was weird. It is weird. It was weird. I even like had to check myself. I'm like, what 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 is this mysterious liquid coming out of my eyes right now? Um I've never seen you cry. Oh, not I'm, that not that I should ever seen you. I'm an emotional fella, proudly. Um, and now, just I I, I, I can go there. Um, I think it's um, the the Nike Tiger deal is one of those moments for me that not not everything will last, mm-hmm. and for my entire life. Pretty much from the time that I could could watch golf and understand it and appreciate it, I, I still have personal memories watching Tiger win the Masters in '97. I was six, watching that red um, that red sweater that he wore with that Nike on there. Um, my entire sports life up until now has had Tiger with Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's it's a brand partnership, but it's it's bigger than just him wearing a Nike shirt. It's the symbol of dominance in that sport. The um, the image of excellence of what you want to um attain for across any sport. I mean, when he walked onto the course in that red Nike shirt, it meant. It's game day. There's a little bit of fear with that. Oh my too. gosh! You better watch out, man. Tiger's here, and the, many people talked about it. The the tiger effect. I mean, he would track people down on that leaderboard because of the presence that he carried. I remember in the um, 2006 PGA Championship, they held it at Medina, which is in Chicago, and we went for a practice round, and he uh, hit a ball that ended up right at um, my family's feet. And in practice rounds, you don't play the ball from the rough. Mm -hmm. They just grab it and hit it from the fairway. Okay. And Stevie Williams asked for me to throw Tiger his ball. And I got to pick up his golf ball. It had, it said Tiger on it. It had, it was a Nike golf ball and I got to flip it to Stevie Williams and Tiger was right there and saluted me. Nice. And in 06, I would have been 14. So I remember watching with my own eyes, the, the 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 presence that this guy carried and the aura i mean it it was so powerful um 
that TW logo, which it most likely is going to be continued because that's his personal logo. Um, I've heard reports that it's going to be similar to Brady, where Brady started doing his own brand, okay, uh, like that TB12 um, logo. I think the TW logo, I, I'm sure, will remain with him. But without that Nike swoosh, it's just it's tied with the fact that he's also 48 years old. Right. It's tied to the fact that there's a there's a chance he may not win again and all great things come to an end. Like that 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 to me is in its essence it's not just about Tiger and Nike, it's what it means beyond that. Well, that relationship has I don't want to say that maybe the relationship has been altered, but remember he he was using Nike clubs before Big and time. then that kind of went by the wayside several years ago. They actually used Titleist clubs and stamped the Nike logo on it. Did they really? Back in the day. Back before they first started making their own equipment, it wasn't at the caliber as all of the other golf um manufacturers so they had to find a way to utilize tiger's um presence to put their stamp literally on it uh, th- that's that, like um that's like when you go to costco and uh, the, you the buy Kirk- something the kirkland 100 percent, yeah. dude um that chip in at the masters in 05 whenever he was against chris demarco you, i'm sure you've seen that replay came down the hill and then froze on the edge of the cup and then the nike logo is staring the camera right in the face and then trickles over to, to me. I don't know if there was a single moment for an athlete partnering with a brand and having more power for that brand than that moment right there. I mean, it's right up there with air Jordan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, he changed so much about the game. And I thought the, I thought Nike's post about it was beautiful. It said, Tiger, you challenged your competition, stereotypes, conventions, the old school way of thinking, which he absolutely did in the game of golf, to challenge the entire institution of golf. You challenged us, and most of all, you challenged yourself. And for that challenge, we're grateful. It was a hell of a round, Tiger. I wonder, though, because Tiger's not done. No. um, And he's kind of intimated that something might be on the horizon. But does he have the same brand recognition that he used to? Because he's not playing as much, so he's not in the limelight as much. But he commit, he's still a needle mover whenever he plays. I mean, I'm glued to the screen just to see if he can't. Because what he has that no one else has is the potential for history. Every time he plays, he only really outside of the Genesis, the Hero, um, and maybe a couple others, he's only playing in majors now. Mm-hmm. So every time he goes out there, you're glued to see if he can get number 16. And so with that, whatever brand he puts on, guaranteed it's got power. Coming up, uh, we'll turn to the NBA. With more on the national championship coming up in just a little bit. We've got uh, men's volleyball tickets to give away. Uh, don't forget about the 14th annual uh, Oakoy UH Warrior Volleyball Fundraiser coming up uh, January 21st. Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, if you want to go get more information, call the uh, UH Volleyball Office. Uh, there are uh, heavy poo-poo and uh, so much more. It's a great event. Check it out. Uh, call the UH Warrior Volleyball Office for more info. Sports Center next.
Coming up, Call the Coach with Charlie Wade. It's presented by Paxa. It's uh, coming up tonight, 6.30 from Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. So we'll have that for you coming up a little bit later on. Uh, we've got volleyball tickets to give away here within the hour uh, for Wednesday and Friday for uh, Hawaii's matches against Emmanuel. So uh, stand by. we got that coming up for you a little bit later on as well. And we'll get back to the Zephyr Insurance text line. Your words on uh, the breakup between Tiger and uh, Nike have resonated with some, Hunter. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll delve into that coming up in just a little while. We know uh, Draymond Green's going to come back at uh, some point very soon. The uh, suspension is pretty much over. Uh, he is back from uh, really kind of therapy, whatever he did to um, you know get himself ready. And I find myself, as as much as we get frustrated with Draymond and some of the antics, I find myself believing that Draymond wants to be different. I find myself believing that, because he, he had a, a, a quote in one of the press conferences today that said, uh, and, and we have the audio, it's not popping up yet, but it said, I'm committed to removing the antics from my game. And I believe him. Um, I think that also means he's committed to removing the antics from his life. Okay. I, I, I feel like that's probably right. Um, you know, he admitted that he was thinking about retirement. And NBA Commissioner Adam Silver talked him out of it. You know, when, when you have, when you're able to admit some of these things and uh, be able to say that, hey, I, you know, there are things that I, I need to fix. That's kind of powerful sometimes. And I kind of feel like I got that from from Draymond Green. I, I got the fact that he has understood. He feels like he has cost the team. It's happened before in the finals. It's happening again here. He's hurt the team. He doesn't want to hurt the team anymore. And he realizes something has to change. And... You know, sometimes you won't get the benefit of the doubt until you prove it for several games. But I feel like I can give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I want to believe, I don't know how many years he's got left in the league, and I don't know if this shortens his time in the league, but I, I, I've got to believe that he wants it. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to be better. He's been challenged enough, and I, and I think he'll do it. I, I really do. For the better part of the last decade... There has not been a single team occupy more of the spotlight in the NBA than the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. LeBron's teams might be an exception, but it's been different teams in that span of time. To that effect, it would be impossible to not feel like you, as one of those main stay players on that team, to feel like you're above the game a little bit. It's only natural. Mm-hmm. They put you on more things. They put you in front of more markets. And you win more games and championships, really, than anybody else during that time frame. I think it's somewhat similar what we're seeing with Draymond to what we saw a little bit with Rodman in the late 90s. Now, Rodman wasn't tied to the Bulls in the early 90s. However, he certainly was in the late. And with that... You're going to jump back to Draymond Green. Yeah. You can feel like I can kind of do what I want to. And that ego has gotten to a point where it's got to be put in check. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that this 
newfound, hey, I, I've got to make some adjustments here, are tied with that ego kind of getting out of hand. I, I'm, I'm sure that's where this is. And other players have um, re, um, spoken out in the media saying that they hope that he gets better, one of which being Kevin Durant. Right. And I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you here in a moment at 808-296-1420. You know, and the Durant comments were interesting to me because followed Durant really closely after he left Oklahoma State, went over to Golden State, and it was well documented that him and Draymond did not like each other. Right. Um, and even though it's easy to kind of make something of Kevin Durant's comments, I think you can let bygones be, be bygones because this guy truly does want to get better right now and want help. And whenever that does happen, it's natural to have grace for that person. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get better. And he's recognized that there is an issue and he's trying to address it. It's human nature to come to the defense of that subsequent person, if you will, and and wish him the very best. And Durant's even kind of apologized a little bit, you know, when he had uh, our number 808-296-1420, when he had, um, you know, that, that whole, he had, he had the comments afterward. And he said, you know, he needs to get help. And I think it was it to to some it was kind of taken the wrong way, and you know he had said you know he he apologized for it. He didn't mean it the way I think it 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 came off. That um, you know it it showed something big. He he didn't have to do that. Like Durant didn't have to come in and apologize. He he just said what a lot of people were were thinking. So you know I I credit him for for being big enough to do it. Um, but I think there's a bigger wake up call here. You know, while I think Draymond has, I think it's clear that he has, um, the bigger wake-up call for me is on on Golden State. Mm. Um, We talked about it when the suspension happened, that it seemed like they kind of enabled it. They never, there was no leadership enough to put their foot down and say, hey, this has got to change. Um, You know, you need to, to, to settle down. Because the excuse was always, well, this is... This is who he is. You know, we don't we don't want him to change. This is his identity. You know, this is who Draymond Green is. And I think it's kind of gone on now long enough where they now, I think, have to say, well, you know what? We uh, we we enabled this. We enabled this to happen. We have to take accountability for that. And, um, you know, we've we've got to now you know, take care of that a little bit better. And I, I think that's kind of what I see with Golden State. It's it's a we can't let our identity be that hmm. because that takes away from the success that we have had by letting our identity be about just kind of letting guys, you know, be what they want to be, whether it hurts the team or not. Uh Eugene, thank you for calling in and hanging on patiently. How are you? Hey Josh, good. Happy New Year. Same to you. Hey um I'm going to save you a breath here and just say this time it's different. But, you know, no matter what Draymond has done, it doesn't even come close, or I believe the phrase is it pales in comparison to what Kevin McHale did to Kurt Rambis. Now, that's violent. If you look at Draymond's, you know, the the kick to uh, LeBron's uh, Uli Uli's, um, eh, you know, that that was classless. But when you look at the other stuff that's happened to 
the, the Sacramento center and, and uh, the last guy on the Clippers, and, and even the MVP, Jokic, look, those guys could play soccer in the top tier the way they flop. And, you know, if you look at the way Draymond, when he was flailing his arms around, come on, he barely hit the guy, and the guy went down like he had been shot and then stayed down. I mean, that could have been Division One or whatever they call top-tier soccer acting. You know, where they, where they don't even get touched, they're grazed, and they go down like they've been shot. And, you know, the NBA now, I don't know if you saw the interview with um, – Rashid Wallace and Bill Lambeer. And, and you know what they were saying about Draymond Green? Evidently, he used to go into their locker room. He was friends with uh, – his dad was friends with Joe Dumars, maybe? I'm not, you know, anyway, he was in the Pistons locker room when they were in their heyday, and they all said, Draymond on that team, he'd be the softest guy on the team. So, yes, the NBA has changed. But I tell you, I can't stand watching these Euro guys flop like soccer players. It's ridiculous. And they need to change that as much as they need to change Draymond's, you know, antics, as you call them. Um, I'm not saying what Draymond does is right. But I'm just saying that the last two calls where he stomped on the guy's chest, he didn't stomp on anybody's chest. And he certainly didn't crank the guy in the head. The Clippers guy. They were not basketball it, it, moves, though. You have to admit. No, that they, I, I, they, that's what I said. That, yeah. that's what I said. They're not. They're not. I'm not saying it's acceptable, but I'm just saying the way the NBA and all the sportscasters are describing it as a violent act. No, come on, yeah. Kevin McHale cranking Kurt Rambis with a or Lambeer taking what? Michael out of the air or. You know, absolutely going after Larry Bird. I I would agree with you there. There. And so, so Draymond, come on. Let's get a little perspective here. What Draymond does is antics. I think, Josh, that's that's one of your best phrases. Those are antics. But violent? Come on. That ain't violent. Jesus. I think what it is, and I appreciate your call, Eugene. Thanks, Eugene. I, I, I think... You know, when he mentions Kevin McHale, I think we also remember that these are two different eras. Um, Big time. The era then and the era now. Um, the NBA is is very much different. You could say it's good, it's bad, however, however you view it, but it is different. Um, what people take and handle is different. I don't think the NBA wants to be in a position where you had guys like Larry Bird and others just, you know, just whacking the you know what out of each other at times because that's how they that's how they retaliated. That's how they set the tone in games. So, you know, you you can't compare then to now. Yeah, I I agree with Eugene. Um, and, And we'll get back to you guys on the phones here in a second. I agree with Eugene that it is not violent antics may be a word that you potentially use there but at at the the same time um you said it right too they're not basketball plays yeah they're not contributing to getting the ball in the hoop putting a guy in a headlock or chokehold or whatever it was is not a basketball play stomping on someone's not a basketball play going up and kicking your leg out is not a basketball play and it's it's the amount of times it's happened not once not twice, yeah. um, but it's it's a pattern. It, 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 the fact that Silver 
went to bat for him and basically convinced him not to retire is surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Is Draymond Green the type of personality that's essential to the success of the NBA? I would say no. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And so to that effect, I he's on the downward side of his career. I wouldn't be all that upset if he did retire, to be honest. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I think what I would say is, um, and, and we'll get to this coming up after the break, it, it shows that Adam Silver has a heart. And a lot of times commissioners... We saw that same sort of heart with uh, John Morant. I agree. Um, you know, and, and and sometimes, you know, I think of David Stern. David Stern is the opposite of uh, Adam Silver. Adam Silver is, um, you know, someone who it, it seems like does care about the players. Sometimes I think it's to a fault where he can be a little too lenient. Mm. Um, but he does have the players' best interest, and that's why the players like him. Compared to Goodell. Uh, yeah. You know, David Stern was... Like by the book, he sometimes except with little, Michael, yeah, sometimes a little over. Like he was getting the dress code and stuff, and that yeah. got people, you know, kind of upset. But you know, they, it was, um, it was they're very he was different. stern, yeah. <laughs> it, but it's 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 very different, and you can kind of understand, um, you know, why this is viewed very differently. Uh, we'll talk more about this coming up on the other side. But first, hey, we got to give away tickets. We got volleyball tickets, and we got to get people Ooh. out to Hawaii and Emmanuel coming up tomorrow night. Rainbow Warriors looking for a bounce back win. Uh, we've got, uh, let's see, let's do caller number three at 808 296 1420. We got Wednesday night's tickets right here. We'll give away Friday a little bit later on. Uh, but Wednesday night's tickets for Hawaii and Emmanuel will uh, do caller number three right now. So dial in at 808-296-1420. Traffic here in a moment. Don't forget about pigskin picks. We're going into the playoffs, so play along with us at ESPNHonolulu.com. Pick your uh, NFL games. You could win some prizes there. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. More on Draymond coming up. It is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, Brian out in the uh, Pearl Harbor Hickam area is going to be checking out volleyball tomorrow night. Hey, good for Brian. Yeah, he's going to watch. Honestly, I'm not I'm not saying this just to, um, you know, be a good salesman because I'm not. Um, that's the best show in town. Men's volleyball at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center is the best show in town. And nobody can argue otherwise. When baseball season starts, baseball is going to try to uh, going to try to compete with that. But men's volleyball, the crowds they bring, uh, they they nobody right now does it better. Uh, we got Friday tickets coming up. We'll give away sometime before uh, the end of the hour. Uh, but uh, right now, off to the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. We were talking about Draymond Green uh, a little while ago, and uh, texter from the three four three. Draymond is seventy seven million reasons not to retire. <laughs> And then says, uh, we don't need Draymond Green type guys in the league. Um, I don't know. What is, what is Draymond Green type? Guys that have antics and do stupid things here and there. I, I didn't know there was like a, a, a type. Um, and I don't know that Draymond Green is going to be that guy ever again. And I think he'll find himself in, in a whole world of trouble 
if he does find himself to be that guy again. Um, but I don't see why, again, we go back to something that Eugene called in and said. Um, Draymond Green was not violent. None of the things that he said were were considered violent. They were non basketball actions. Yeah, let's let's. Well, be the very... only thing that was violent was what he did to Jordan Poole. Yeah, in practice at Golden State, but not um, something that the NBA can adjudicate because it happened at Golden State practice, uh, and and Golden State had had their punishment about about that. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's funny. In the past, people loved the enforcers. They loved the guys that, uh, you know, would would stand up and club guys in the face on their way to the basket. But it's like now. I kind of miss some of that, actually. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody wants a 140 to 132 game. Hmm. No one wants physicality. Everyone wants offense. It's a terrible brand of basketball. It's not good. Um, And the NBA seems to be cool with that. Uh, because nothing has changed, and you know we could we could use within reason a little bit of physicality. We could use within reason a little bit of toughness. I want to go back to games where it's like eighty seven, eighty two, which feels like Game Five Eastern Conference Finals playoff games. Mm. You know how much I love defense. Uh, I will I will go after defense all we want, but I'm I'm tired of like. 140 to 132. The NBA was celebrating, was it last week, that there were four teams who scored 140 points in the same night. And my response to that was, yuck. Yeah. That's not basketball. There's nothing that Josh hates more than high-scoring games. No, I, because I, they're usually not good games. 140 points means the other team played zero defense. Almost to the point where they didn't care to play defense. And how many teams love to play defense in the regular season? Hint, not a lot. Nope. Tell me that's good basketball. I I dare you to tell me that that is great basketball to watch on TV. It's not. Like it's it's a waste. You know what? I I I, I love the college basketball game um, way more than I do. Uh, you know, the NBA game like we have, I could put on the NBA right now. Instead, we watched Houston get upset. The last undefeated team in the country. Uh, we're watching number 16, Auburn and Texas A&M. And you know what? That's just, that's, that's fun. That's, that's good basketball. The SEC, it just means more. It means a heck of a lot more than watching the really bad Milwaukee Bucks right now. Uh, take it on the Chicago Bulls. I can't, I can't watch that product. Um, so, I mean, you know, figure it out. Do you want the whole Kevin McHale stuff? Do you, like Eugene was referencing, do you want that? Lambeer. Yeah. Uh, Carl Malone is someone called in knocking out, uh, was it David Robinson? I think it was, um, run our test. Now that no, We, we don't need malice in the palace. That. Very different. Josh says too far. That's too no. That is too far. Yeah. Once you get once you get in the stands, it, there's no room for that. Um, but yeah, figure it out. Figure I out miss, what you want. I miss hard fouls. I'm a firm believer. I I played a lot of basketball growing up. I believe there is such a thing as a good foul. And there and I mean that's still there, just not as much. Nowadays mm. they don't care if they make you go to the free throw line to earn your two points. Well, it's it's being felt across sports. Mm-hmm. 
they're they've taken good defense away from Everything. away from football. Every sport. Uh, absolutely. Taken. Like I, I feel so bad for high level safeties and corners who are literally up a creek without a paddle. Because yeah. what are you supposed to do? Exactly. Uh, traffic Sports Center coming up. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Final words coming up here uh, in just a little bit, plus men's volleyball tickets for Friday. Uh, Hawaii Emmanuel at uh, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, finishing up here on Draymond Green before we turn our attention to uh, last night's national championship game to kind of get ourselves back to that point. Texter from the 275 says this, Hunter, calling what Draymond Green's behavior as antics is ridiculous, and Eugene, as an apologist said the texter, I'm not saying it, is not in touch with reality. Kicking guys in the marbles has been a career-long pattern. Unlike you, I don't believe Green's apologies are sincere. Now he's pointing at me. What um, what constitutes a career-long pattern of kicking guys in uh, areas that we can't mention. I'll see if someone can answer that on the phones. Also, Not- if you've ever had that happen to you, it feels violent. Oh, I bet. It hasn't does not, happened to me. It does not feel good. It, it has not happened to me, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, but what constitutes like a, a pattern? Like once a year, twice a year, if you do it for like 10 years? Like to me, that's a little bit of a stretch. And, and trust me, I am not a Draymond Green apologist by any means. Uh, but if we're start getting into start talking about patterns, like there's a pattern of him doing stupid things. Oh yeah, kicking guys down there is not a pattern of stupid things. That's that's like you're you're saying that one thing is a pattern. Um, I, I do go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say if if it happens more than three times, which it definitely has. That's the emergence of a pattern. Mm-hmm. Then if you get things happening in somewhat quick succession, then you definitely have a, a pattern on your hands. Which the, the last couple of antics, the, the big one from last playoffs last mm-hmm. year, yeah, and then a couple of things happening this year felt almost one right on top of each other. That's right. And that you can't you can't condone that. Uh, let's say hi to Mark. Mark, thank you for calling in. Hey, Hunter. Hey, Josh. How's it going, What's up, Mark? Um, well, I, you know, you guys probably know. Maybe you don't, but I am a Golden State fan. Didn't know that, but, but glad to know I'm, it. I, yeah, and it's like um, Draymond put him where put himself where he is. I think he knows that. Um, and I know you guys, being sports announcers, are going to talk about it, and it's fine. You know, I mean, I'm. Not, and I'm not negative or positive towards it, but my real problem today with the NBA is officially. There's a lot of good of good ones, but this thing when they let them play, that's ridiculous to me. I like the fact that players can play when it's uniform, but they let them play to different referees. So what is the player? What happens is a lot of times. That's what happened to Kerr last week. He, he he went off because he was tired of seeing that. And I am too. So for me, this is big for me. I'm I'm starting to wane from watching NBA. 
because it's just I sit there and I watch. And don't get me wrong, the Golden State Warriors are on a decline. I'm not knocking that. I'm not trying to say that the referees are the reason. But when I watch games, I don't see a clear-cut policy on what a foul is. I see them call some and then don't call some, and the answer by the announcers is they let them play. Do you really think that's a good way to referee? Uh, I, you know, I do kind of like the idea of letting them play. Mark, thank you for calling in. Thanks, um, Mark. Officialing. That's uh, that's a new one. I, you know, I I do like the idea of letting him play, but I, I this is where I'm going to defend officials in general. Um, first off, the worst officials are in the NBA. Yes, by far. Um, and I know Angel Hernandez in in Major League Baseball gives NBA officials a run for their money, um, but NBA officials are by far the worst. But I I also believe that you have to have a feel for the game. Um, I think generally you should want to let him play. Um, You don't want to call every foul. I think if it's almost to the point where it does influence the game, then sure. But I also believe in um, adjusting if you have to. We see this all the time. Um, You know, if, if a game is getting too physical, Referees go into the locker room, they come back in the second half, and they call everything mm-hmm. because they know the game's starting to get out of hand and they need to control it. So, you know, that's fine. I don't I don't think people understand that part. Sure, um, can games be a little more uniform? Absolutely. Yep. I, I agree. But I also believe that you have to have some understanding of how you get to that point. And, you know, the game's on you at that point. Once the ball's thrown up in the air, it's on the officials. It's not on anybody else to adjudicate. So you got to control it how you see it on the floor. And I, and I don't fault coaches. I don't fault referees sometimes for doing that. What they can do is communicate it. That's right. Um, you said a couple things that I'd like to jump in on. Please do. Uh, I think basketball as a sport um, is dictated by the environment more so than other sports. Um, for, for instance, whenever I play pickup with church friends and we play church league uh, uh, pickup basketball where you call your own fouls and it's a life-giving environment and you really care about the relationships to be good whenever you... I was going to say, you guys don't commit hard fouls no, in the church league, you, right? You, you cannot. You, you, no. <laughs> do you, no, do no, you, no, 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 no. Can you slap someone on the wrist well, in the church league? Can you, you, can you block a shot you in the can, church but, league? You, but you, you better hug afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying vice versa. When we when you play pickup with guys from the football team, you don't call anything. Mm-hmm. And if you do, then you're asked to leave. Oh, really? Because it's it's uh it's it's a test of manhood. <laughs> um it's difficult to make a comparison between pickup and professional. However, there are some games that are definitely more emotionally charged. Yes. And that affects officiating. It always does. Um, and I, I, I can recall from my, my time as an umpire whenever I was younger, it's okay if you make the bad like a bad call as long as you over-communicate. So to Mark's defense, I absolutely agree. There needs to be more of an understanding of what is and what isn't a foul because – the, the further we head down this path of anything and everything being um, being called in the NBA for the sake of keeping players safe, and we're seeing something similar happen in the NFL, 
the game is going to change. Yeah. Hand checking's all but all but absent. Um, closing on three point shots, you know, so that guys don't blow their ankles on the way down. That's gone. I get that though. I get it too. I'm I'm just um, making a point where there's no easy step. Like it's it has veered a little too far now. Where those of us that have played the game is like, yeah, you, you can probably let it play on a little bit. So, and because of that mm, subjectivity, there's going to be all kinds of errors because it's impossible to be completely, um, completely consistent without clear lines. Of course, I I do believe that the way to make up for that is you know, let's, if you've got to if you've got to adjust the way you call a game, go to both coaches whether it's during a timeout or whatever, and say, hey, guys, you know, this is what we're seeing. We need to cut this out, so we're going to call everything a little tighter. And as long as you communicate that, they can't argue with you um, because they have to control things. Um, the fouls aren't what they are. It's just it's it, the fact that some officials don't want to call them. Um, they want to let the guys play, but they, you know, the, the definition of a foul doesn't change. The um, trigger happiness of a referee with a whistle does depending who you have every night. I, I think of two baseball when, when we talk about that a little bit. If you know you've got two teams that don't like each other, yeah. and maybe they're in game two of a three-game series, yeah. and game one got really you know raucous, and you had the benches clear, and you had some pushing and shoving, and maybe a punch was thrown, that before the second game they're going to come out, and the official says we're giving or the umpire says we're giving everybody a warning, hundred percent right now. The minute a ball is high and tied on a batter, the ump calls time and then like points at both benches. Mm-hmm. And tells everybody to cool it. Yeah, it's because there is that chargedness to things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for the call. Uh, our number eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. I did want to get while we have a few minutes to the national championship game. We've hit on a lot of points. One thing we didn't hit on was Michael Penix Jr. Mm. Uh, this was a tough game for him. Um, he was, and we talked about Michigan's defense earlier in the game. Michigan's defense was amazing. Uh, got to him, put him on the ropes, and in the second half, he was playing, um, not scared, but he was playing literally off his back foot, it seemed like, the entire half. Does what we saw last night change the way you look at Michael Penix Jr.? Because we spent a good chunk of the week talking about how he's rising up the draft boards. We now got video on him. He may be one of the best players once he gets into the draft or one of the best quarterbacks going into the draft. I, I can't help but look at him a little bit differently after that because on the biggest occasion, um, he had some very glaring misses that stand out. And so I, I do kind of downgrade him a little bit. Like in that in that game, you had about four misses there that you cannot, in, in a big-time NFL game, you cannot miss those. You can't mm-hmm. miss guys that are wide open um, on, on the right side of the field. And, and you know, I, I felt like the NFL would look down on that. So for me, I I saw Penix a little bit differently. How about you? He still showed a very high level ability to place footballs to me that were just slightly missed. Uh, a couple of times um, he tried to float one in over the top on the outside that might have just um, faded out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Um 
There were a couple of um, misreads that I'm sure he would like to have back. Uh, maybe some checkdowns. They, the replay is always hindsight 2020, right? When if he would have gotten backside, there was someone wide open instead right. of staying on your front side read. But I think it's also clear that O line had a tough night. Both, um, no doubt, w- w- with allowing QB hurries and also uh, some penalties. Michigan did their job in disrupting things and stifling that high-powered offense. Um, because the, the 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 one easy way to poke holes in what you just said was the other QBs that are very high on the draft board never even sniffed this game. Mm-hmm. So they they weren't put under the fire to make those same decisions. So in, in some ways, I don't fault him for that. Um, to play well in those games, some other stuff needs to go well. You got to run the ball well. You need protection, and your guys need to make the right um, the right cuts, and the ball needs to be put in the right places. So it's it's always a concoction. I I can't help but see it from a team sport aspect where he's still very high in my mind, and I would still put him definitely in front of JJ McCarthy and up there with the likes of those other four. And you know what? They didn't have much of a running game because, you know, their running back got hurt uh, or aggravated or, or got even more hurt because yeah. he wasn't hundred percent coming in. And if you're Michigan's defense, I mean, you, you kind of smell blood at that point. Totally. You know, the running game is gone. It was an emotional game after that one holding call. I really do feel that uh, whenever they got that 25 yard pass play reversed and now it's second and 20 and they're down a score and then Michigan scores after that, it was over. And they're pressing after that. I want to say too, I know there are people that are saying, oh, it's not a great game. It, it was, oh, it was, it was a good uh, game. Uh, yeah. I thought. You know, just because you have one and two doesn't mean everything's going to look good. You're going to have struggles. That's that's when you have two of the best teams, it's not all the time where someone's going to, you know, the offense is going to best the defense every play, especially in the middle of the game. It felt like it was a a tug of war in in a way for uh, control of that game. And at times Washington would take a little bit of the edge. Michigan would pull it right back. And up until the last point where where Michigan in the last six minutes just kind of took it away. That's good football. Good football is when you can't always win it on every play. Yeah, Michigan's defense executed at a higher level than Washington's Mm -hmm. offense. And although we would love for it to end up similar to what we saw in the the Final Four matchups, not every game is going to have the, the the I guess you'd call it the result the play result of a final where it comes down to one final play. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it was a bad game. Right. Michigan was the better team and they showed it by that score. Absolutely. I mean, I know Canola asked the question and um I'll I'll put this on you real quick before we go to break. Um did the best team in the country win? Mm. I think so. I think the, the the big answer to that is Bowers was hurt for Georgia. Yeah. So in the same way, why Florida State wasn't given the same rub, Georgia couldn't beat Alabama. That Georgia team without Bowers could not beat Bama. So sorry guys, you lost. Right. It's it's uh it's a crappy truth, but 
Bama couldn't hang with Michigan, and then Washington couldn't hang with Michigan as well. So to me, I think when it's all said and done, Michigan is the best team. And the lone remaining undefeated. No doubt. Uh, sorry, all you uh, you know, Florida State uh, apologists still believing you would have gotten in there. I'm sorry, Florida State would have lost like 65 to three. Oh my gosh! Even with all of their starters there, it would have been ugly. It would have been like watching TCU last year in the championship. So uh, I think uh, finally we can kind of put it to bed, yes. which, which feels good. All right. Uh, final words coming up in just a little bit. Call the coach with Charlie Wade presented by Paxa is coming up tonight, 630 Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center. Uh, make sure you check out the uh, Ruby Tuesday specials. You've also got uh, uh, prize giveaways. And of course, I mean, it's, it's Charlie Wade. Charlie's going to have a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you will as well. Uh, call the coach uh, tonight, 630 ESPN Honolulu. And speaking of volleyball, uh, we've got tickets to Friday. Uh, Fourth-ranked Rainbow Warriors taking on Emmanuel. Uh, call in at 808-296-1420. Caller number four is going to score uh, those tickets to check that out uh, on Friday. All right, uh, final words. When we come back after we take a look at traffic, you're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Final words coming up in uh, just a little bit. Kyle in Hawaii Kai is going to be heading off to uh, men's volleyball on Friday. Hey, Hawaii nice. and uh, Emmanuel. So congratulations to Kyle. Uh, more stuff to win coming up tomorrow morning on the Bobby Kern Show, which will be guest hosted by Gary Dickman from 6 to 7. And then uh, the Sports Animals with Gary Dickman and Chris Hart from 7 to 9. So uh, make sure you don't miss them. All right. Uh, Before final words, Hunter, earlier uh, you talked a little bit about uh, Tiger Woods and the, uh, the breakup with Nike. Um, And, and the fact that, by the way, I don't, I don't want to leave this out for those that missed it, but the news came out and you cried. I did. I want to know though, um, how many tears? Not much. It just, my eyes definitely watered. Okay. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a drizzle. Yeah. Texter from the 388. Hunter nicely said, and you're talking about uh, uh, kind of that relationship. By the way, cap forward when playing golf or, uh, when playing golf or backwards. Forward, PGA, backwards, live. Thoughts? I mean, depends on how sunny it is. <laughs> okay. I'm usually rocking it backwards. Interesting. Well, that's just that's just who you are. Yeah. Um, one more here from John. I think Nike is getting out of golf altogether, he says. All, aside from MJ, no other person is the face of a brand like Tiger is. MJ has made more money from Nike since his retirement than he did as a player. He hasn't played in 20-plus years. Tiger with Nike could be MJ, which is why I think Nike is getting out of golf Altogether, thoughts on that? It's a, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting hypothesis, but totally different contract. Uh, whenever Jordan signed with Nike, there was shared equity in the startup. They they were just a startup whenever they got him. So I don't know if that same leverage was offered to Tiger. Um, but yeah, it seems in some ways. They're not making equipment anymore. If anything, they're just only on apparel, and it might have singularly been to style Tiger out. Gotcha. All right, uh, final words. Hunter, you're up first. Uh, whenever there's an undefeated national champion, these 
comparisons get thrown out there and people were talking about this Michigan team beating the 2019 LSU college football team with Burrow and Chase and um, uh, Jefferson. Just cool it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. To me, the, the two best teams in a matchup of all time are still the 2000 Miami Hurricanes and that 2019 LSU team. This Michigan team was really good. They handled the opposition and forces outside of their team fantastically, but they're not on an all-time tier to me uh, from a production that that defense was good, but even a Georgia Bulldog team from last year probably beats them this year. So I think that's a bit steep um, and... I don't know if I would put them quite on that all-time tier. Uh, my final words, um, I, I'm not going to do ESPN on ESPN crime. Uh, I know we're not, you know, we're not owned by Disney, uh, but we still have the four letters uh, in our name through our affiliate agreement. So I'm not, I'm not going to do ESPN on ESPN crime. Uh, what I will say is I, I don't, I don't want to hear from Aaron Rodgers again. Um you know, That's what, your QB. Uh, he ain't my QB anymore. <laughs> he, he's in the the moment he left Green Bay, he was no longer my QB. And I even said when he was in Green Bay, "Get out of here." I didn't I didn't want to hear that anymore. Um, Aaron Rodgers has gone wacko, rogue. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting was Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, was asked on ESPN New York today if he has a problem with Aaron Rodgers going on uh you know going on TV and and saying all this stuff you know the the vaccine stuff and Jeffrey Epstein stuff and he's like no don't have a problem with it um which seems very typical New York to uh to not really care hey uh the Jets are in the headlines don't really care um can somebody i i don't, I don't know uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers needs to adult Needs to learn how to adult. Uh, and it would be nice if he could figure that out or if someone could make him figure that out because he's embarrassing himself, and that's never a good sign. Uh, have fun on Kanoa Show tomorrow. Thanks, uh, I'll see you solo tomorrow afternoon. Sports Center next.